0: Presentation SDA Church presents The Bible Unmasked. Read your Bible daily and join us every Sunday at 7.30 p.m. for our weekly discussion. From Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Let's read the entire Bible in 2021 with The Bible Unmasked. Hello everyone and Happy New Year. Welcome to our first episode of The Bible Unmasked. And um, you may be asking, well, what is the Bible unmasked? It is our weekly Bible study. And our primary goal for this program is to read the entire Bible throughout 2021. Amen. So this Bible study is for everyone. The young, the old, those who have already read the Bible from Genesis through to Revelation, and those who have not. So it doesn't matter who you are, We're inviting you to take your Bibles in hand and join us as we study God's word together each week. All right, so please note that the reading plan will be shared weekly during um, our Sabbath service and on social media. So please invite viewers to read with family members, friends and coworkers, and text your questions in advance. You can send, as you read through the Bible and these questions arise, please feel free to text your questions to us at 954-388-8780. That number again is 954-388-8780. And also to let you know that the program will be aired at 7.30 p.m. on Sundays, and that will be aired on Facebook, um, YouTube, and Plantation um, SDA TV. Now, as we study the Bible together, we will have questions. So please know that we will have a seasoned uh, theologians addressing our questions weekly. And this week we have our very own Pastor Joe. Um, for the, the second week, we will have Pastor Jen. Third week, Pastor Dexter. Fourth week, we'll have Pastor McCoy. And the fifth week, Pastor Anderson. And we'll update you as we go along. Okay, so our presenter um, this morning, well, first of all, let me introduce myself. My name is Lavon Brown and I am your host. I should have said this before. <laughs> I'm your host. I'm, I'm a member of the uh, Sabbath School Department um, with the Plantation SDA Church. And I'm very excited to be a part of this program. Our presenter is our very own Pastor Salajan and um, he's affectionately known as Pastor Joe. And um, Pastor Joe is a senior pastor with us here at the Plantation SDA Church. So as we are going to, as we get ready to embark on this study for this morning, today we will be looking at Genesis 1, chapters one through to eight. All right, and um, we've we've gone through the the, the reading and we're very happy to be here to share and to explore these um, chapters with you today. So as we get ready to delve into the study of the word, we'll ask you, Pastor, just to say a prayer for us, and then I'll ask you to give us a qu- an overview of what we've read this week.
1: Yes, let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is a new journey that we are embarking on, and it is a privilege for us to sit together for a few minutes and try to get, get some deeper understanding of your word. So, Lord, we pray for your blessing in a special way through the Holy Spirit and may Jesus Christ shine through us and in our lives. In his name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Okay, Pastor, if you could give us, um, as I said, we're looking at Genesis chapters 1 through to 8. If You could give us a quick overview of what we've, we've read this week. Um, that would be great.
1: Yes, the section for this week is a pretty short section compared to what we are looking at in the future because we only cover two days of the year, right? Mm -hmm. The first and the second, meaning Friday and Saturday. So that's uh, a short passage, Genesis chapter 1 to chapter 8. And this is a, a part of uh, a beautiful section of the Bible uh, from Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter 11 that is called in technical language uh, proto-history. What does that mean? It means that if you look at Genesis chapter 1 through chapter 11, you will clearly see that in those chapters, history is very compact. It is like uh, compressed together. You cover a lot of time in uh, a few words. So that's a part of the Bible where there's a lot of speculation. Because, you know, when when you have a short message that covers a long history, then you always have people that will try to make it uh, uh, a cryptic message and try to read all kind of stuff out of it. And of course, you have to be careful and pay attention to what the passage can say beyond just words. But you have to be careful not to put things in there that are not there. Right. There's a difference between exegesis and asegesis. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Exegesis is when you have a Bible passage and you look at it, you, you try to go deep into it and bring out what is there. Right. Asegesis is when you have something you want the Bible to say, so you bring your content, you put it in there, and then you dig deep as if to bring out that wonderful content that you actually put in there. Right. Okay? We don't want to do that. <laughs> we want to only bring out what is there. Right. So yes, uh, we are we are in the first section of the Bible. I think this first section of the Bible, the the first eleven chapters, the proto-history, actually laid the foundation for the entire Scripture, and that's uh, true in many many ways, content-wise, uh, language-wise, theology-wise. So it is a very very important section of the Bible.
0: Okay, thank you so much, Pastor Joe. And um, we did ha- have a few questions for you um, uh, in, as we covered Genesis one through to eight. Um, the first question um, was that: Should we take the account of the creation literally, or is it a simplistic version of what really happened? How does time then compare to time now?
1: Yes, well, many people today, take the account of creation symbolically. Mm -hmm. The issue with taking uh, the account symbolically is that once you make something symbolic, you are on a shaky, shaking ground. And then you ask yourself, okay, if the days are symbolic, then is the sun and moon and stars symbolic? If uh, the days are symbolic, is water symbolic as well? Okay, so for a passage to have a symbolic meaning, you have to have clues in the passage that it, this is supposed to be symbolic. Now, contrary to that concept of uh, symbolic interpretation, the, the account of creation in the book of uh, Genesis has uh, potent clues for a literally, literal interpretation, meaning that you really have to understand what it writes, mm-hmm. okay? You don't have to go behind the passage and uh, come up with interpretation that are not in the passage. For instance, when it comes to the days of creation, right, we have six days, one, two, three, four, five, six, right, and then you have the seventh day, which is still part of the creation process, but that's a day of rest, okay? If it was only days, then uh, I would understand somehow people that try to go behind the text and say, well, these are actually eras, ages, long period of time. But the Bible says there was an evening and there was a morning, okay? This is a, a very natural and tangible language. We know how uh, days and nights work. And there's no scientific reality uh, or at least so-called scientific reality in which you have uh, an age that is half dark and half light, right? It doesn't make sense. So uh, we have to leave the passage as it is And uh, the most natural reading of the passage is that, yes, when God started to create life to populate the the frame that uh, He probably previously created, then there was day one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And that actually sets the stage for the cycle of what we know today to be the week, because there's no astrology or astronomy uh, behind this uh, way of looking at uh, the passing of time. The concept of week and weekly cycle comes from uh, the Genesis account of creation. You have six plus one day.
0: Okay. Okay. Thank you for that, Pastor. Um, another question that, um, came to me as we read through these, um, verses, these chapters is Genesis three. Verse 22. And the Lord God said, behold, the man is become one as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Um, who, who is God speaking with here when he says, You know, because it it sounds as if he's speaking with someone to say, Adam has now become like one of us to know good and evil. How do you explain that? The
1: simple answer is God is speaking to God. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I know that sounds weird because we are not used to the concept of uh, plurality. Right. But if we are to take the Bible seriously, then... God in the Bible is uh, presented as a plurality. Mm-hmm. Okay, even even I can speak to myself. Okay, but if I speak to myself, I don't use plural. Okay, right. right. Uh, I don't say, "Hey, Jehovah." So now we have to do this. Well, you can you can do that in a metaphoric or uh, in a, a psychological way of uh, debunking your own. Uh, persona but when it comes to God the Bible teaches that um, there is uh, God the Father yeah. God the Son and God the Holy Spirit and uh, obviously if there's a plurality maybe different from what we used to understand uh, under the concept of plurality but still something of that nature okay then God can speak to himself so to speak and say us we we us right and that's what we see in uh, chapter 3 verse 22 and that's not the only place if you look at chapter 1 verse 26 you will see that uh, god uh, says something similar when he says okay let's create man yes us okay so again there is some sort of plurality in god okay all right, but I, I thought I thought uh, you were also asking uh, something with regard to that text, uh-huh. because in the passage in uh, three twenty two, it says, "Behold, the man has become like one of us, right. who know good and evil," and uh, not too many people notice this. But this is very tricky because if you read the creation account in chapter one specifically verse 26, then um, it is clear that when God created humans, or the first human, He was created into God's image, into His likeness. So if God was created to be like God, then how come after the fall, God says, hey, He's become like one of us? Because He he, he was like God before. Understand the, what the, what the challenge is? Yeah. yeah. So let me, let me read it uh, from the Young's literal translation of the Bible. This is one of the best uh, literal translations of uh, the Old Testament. And this is what it says. And Jehovah God saith, Lo, the man was as one of us mm-hmm. as to the knowledge of good and evil. I think that's the correct uh, translation. translation. And now, lest he sent forth his hand and uh, have taken also of the tree of life and eaten and, live it, uh, and, and lived to the age. So the point here is uh, God says, okay, uh, up to this point, humans were just like us when it comes to good and evil. Mm-hmm. Meaning what? God knew the difference between good and evil, but never experienced evil. Okay. Never was part of evil. But now something changes, and because of the experience of evil, humans that used to be like God are not like God in that sense. So God has to make a, or so to speak, take a measure of protection as to not allow humans to go back and eat from the tree of life. Right. Because that uh, would have perpetuated life Mm -hmm. in that uh, sinful stage eternally, possibly. Okay.
0: Because that was one of the questions because the Bible did say, Um, so that he would not eat from the tree of life and live forever. So if he had eaten, he would
1: have lived. Yes, that's the logical conclusion you can uh, draw that if after the fall. Adam and Eve could have gone back and eat from the tree of life. Right. They could have lived forever in their sinful reality. Now, mind you, that's not a final conclusion, though, because Mm -hmm. even if they, say, had gone back and had eaten from the tree after they had fallen, God could have still intervened and stopped. Right. Okay? But in principle, it looks like the tree of life was the life-giving source the, the the source right. to perpetuate life in those that would eat from it
0: okay all right now let's jump over to chapter four right chapter four you know it it tells the story of cain and abel making mm-hmm. their offerings before the lord and one being accepted and one not being accepted it tells the story of you know cain slaying abel and 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 everything that surrounds that. It also goes on to say that he left because he was now labeled as a vagabond and a fugitive and he left and went to the land of Nod, mm-hmm. right? And he got himself a wife and had a child. Now people, you know, as we get into the as we read the Bible where you know some persons have said, well, where did these people come from? You know, God created Adam and Eve and they had Cain and Abel. So where now are these um, other human beings? Where did they come from? Um, where? How did he, was he able to leave and go and marry, you know, someone
1: else? <laughs> yeah, you know see, that's, that's where uh, yeah. the whole proto-history being a, a very short and compact yeah. story plays a very important role because The Bible says that uh, um, Cain moved from here, there. Right. But it doesn't mention how long it took for him to do that move.
0: true.
1: So we don't have a time element there. But, uh, uh, of course, a long period of time could have passed between uh, moment A and moment B. Right. It's true. So and then it doesn't say that uh, Cain didn't have uh, the possibility to move around. Right. Now, some people would go and say, OK, so for uh, Cain to be able to perpetuate his family tree, right, um, God would have uh, had to create somebody for him mm-hmm. to be able to get married and then uh, procreate. But uh, that's, that's extra biblical thinking mm-hmm. because biblically there's no problem with uh, Adam and Eve having more children, among them daughters as well, because right. naturally in order for a child to be born, there's a man and a woman involved. Right. Okay, So obviously Cain needed a wife, but the wife could easily be one of the daughters of uh, Adam and Eve. Yes. I would even risk saying, theoretically, that uh, after the next brother was born, right? Seth.
0: Seth, right.
1: Okay. He, at one point, had uh, uh, children as well. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, I would not exclude, on a theoretical level, the possibility for Cain to get married to a niece. Is that a niece, right? Possibly. Yeah, right. Uh, so why, why am I stretching it a little bit? We have to understand that we have biblical uh, prescriptions or prohibitions when it comes to marriage inside the family, right? But uh, we know to this day, uh, there are cultures where siblings get together. Yes. Or first cousins. Or somebody can marry a niece or a nephew. The, the
0: royal York. family, for example. Right. Yes. Uh,
1: and, and not only, especially in the indigenous people. Yes. Uh, you, you can see all kind of variations. Now, God has given some specific rules and regulations. Because with the fall the process of degeneration of uh, the human race started. Mm-hmm. And it's obvious, uh, and, and this is scientifically proved, and the practice shows it clearly, that the closer some people are related, the higher the risk of uh, some biological and functional uh, distortions yes. to happen in the DNA of uh, the, the outcome. you
0: a child, right.
1: Right. So God God uh, always tried to use a reason and wisdom and teach his people with regard to what is good and what is bad, what is appropriate and what is not. And it's not only a, an issue of morality. Yes, morality is also involved. But it's it's also a, a, an issue of health. hmm of keeping, keeping the line straight. Okay. So if we go to Cain, I have no better solution than yes, he married a close relative. Yes. If but that was a sister, sorry.
0: Yes. No, I said it would have had to be because.
1: Yes. Yes. The, right. Because there's no reason for me to believe that there were two different uh, creation. Right. Counts. Um, and or, or through two different creation uh, moments, because this is what uh, the New Testament says later on, that we all come from the same blood. And if I understand that right, that means that we all come from Adam and Eve somehow. Right. Right. Now, right. somebody may say, somebody may say, well, Pastor, there's another way to see that. And you can say, yes, we all come from the same blood, meaning the blood that God puts in human beings. Mm -hmm. But why can't you risk the idea of multiple creations? You understand the the, the logic? And I I don't want to fight that per se. But uh, the data I have from the Bible uh, leads in the same direction that there's Adam and Eve, and that's where everything started, that's the root. Of uh, the whole human race.
0: Correct. Yeah, one creation, and we're all descendants of yes. Adam and Eve. Okay. All right, and and we speak about creation and descendants and marrying and all of that. Um, the Bible does speak to you know where it says the sons of God saw the the, the maidens here on earth that they were fair, and uh, they took them as wives. So the question that a lot of um, Bibles. Um, as we study the Bible, we'll ask is, did angels marry um, women here on earth?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, um, we don't know of any angel marrying a human. We don't even know that angels can marry, right? Okay. So on the contrary, we have some uh, um tangent information in the Bible that angels do not marry so then the question is what does uh, Genesis chapter 6 because that's the passage right say really
0: it reads and, can I just read that section
1: yes yes let's read that section yes. because I, I want to point something out so please start reading and I will stop you when when I have something to specify that oh, okay okay
0: And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that were fair, and they took them as wives of all which they chose. Mm -hmm. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an 120 years.
1: Okay, thank you. So... For those that want to see here a uh, um, marriage between angels, meaning um, some sort of creatures that are out of the realm of this world, of this earth, right, and humans, I would point out verse 3, because this is what verse 3 says. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with men forever, okay? So obviously the problem under conversation here, under discussion here is not angels and men, it is men, right? Right. Because because the whole whole description is like, uh, God starts talking about something negative was going on between the sons of uh, God and the daughters of uh, men, right? Mm -hmm. So then, then he, he has to do something to intervene. If the problem were angels, then uh, he should have taken some uh, some action against angels, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not what he does. He takes actually action again, against who? Against men. Against men. Verse 3, right? Right. Meaning meaning that uh, the two the two categories, the sons of God and the daughters of man, are both humans. But if you look at uh, the descriptions of uh, the descendants of Cain and the description of the descendants of uh, Seth, you see that you have two different directions there. You have uh, on Cain's side, you have uh, A human race that uh, goes against God—they are human. On the other side, Seth's uh, genealogy comes from God. So, what I can see here, the best interpretation I I can find, is that uh, you have you have um, believers, right, and children coming from the families of believers. Mm-hmm. And they start looking at the daughters of non-believers, and at one point they say, "Yeah, but they are beautiful." Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that being beautiful, because the Bible doesn't say you have to marry somebody for their soul. I mean, the whole persona uh, has to has to be comely to that person. The problem is not that they are they were beautiful. The problem is that they were serving. Uh, um, a different God. they were with the enemy practically. So now the the intersection of the two groups is a problem because now it's corrupting uh, those that come from God, those that uh, worship God, those that believe in God, to the level where in a few passage in a few texts uh, further down, you will see that God will say, "Okay, so I have to to press the reset button here," because everybody is corrupted, except for Noah.
0: Okay, so is it correct to say then that, in reference here to the sons of God, there is making reference to believers that we are now sons of God?
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and I, I I can bring biblical data for that. Right. Um, for instance. Uh, if you go in Jesus' genealogy in uh, chapter 3, Gospel of Luke, and you go backwards, because that's what Luke does, it goes backwards from Jesus back to Adam, and Adam is the son of God. Okay. Okay, so we clearly are descendants of God in that sense.
0: Okay. Okay. All right, so we'll, we'll move on and quickly ask you to uh, explain passage of scripture um genesis 3 verse 15 and i will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers he will crush your head and you will strike his heel what does that mean
1: well that's a pretty strong interaction right and uh, it's it's a fight it's an enmity uh enmity between the woman, and the serpent, her offsprings, and uh, the serpent, and uh, it's very interesting how how this one Bible verse seems to be a seed, seems to be a kernel for uh, the gospel that will, will be brought out in its full Splendor later on in the Bible, mm-hmm. especially in the New Testament, through Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. And uh, it is at the cross where you can see the the, the climax, if or you moment. want, of of how indeed the the offspring or the seed of the woman, because that's the word there, the seed of the woman, would would crush the head of the serpent, right? through resurrection obviously even though even though the serpent is able to uh, to bite so to speak the the heel of uh, of the offspring of the woman because yes the devil was able to put Jesus on the cross but he couldn't have done that if Jesus had not allowed it and obviously uh, Jesus came back from death to resurrection and that's where the enemy was crushed, so it's not a physical a physical uh, fight per se here, but it involves physical elements as well. Mm-hmm. And um, see, I, I want to point out something very important here, because we, we have been speaking about uh, symbolic or non-symbolic. Right? right. I think it's it's too far fetched to make this passage out of a sudden from all the genesis account mm-hmm. to make this passage symbolic of something that is future you understand what i'm saying I
0: understand because earlier you said okay we can't take everything symbolic because then we'd have to make um the the, the wind the symbolic the night the light mm-hmm. symbolic <laughs> right exactly. so now this verse here wasn't isn't this symbolic or foretelling what was to come many many years in the future Mm
1: -hmm. yeah but the the immediate context the immediate context is about the seed of uh the woman okay and the seed of the serpent okay and if if the serpent stands for the devil and obviously it's it's a medium of the devil Mm -hmm. right because serpents uh, don't speak, so uh, it's obvious that ever since there has been an enmity between uh, the seed of the woman and the seed of uh, the enemy, because if you go down the history of uh, humanity, you will see that wars, most wars, I would risk saying that all wars, or somehow religious wars, right? It's an enmity between good and evil, right? And and this is, this is uh, probably one of the first places in the Bible where you can uh, see typology. Now, typology is not the same as symbolism. Mm-hmm. It's similar, but not the same. Typology is this, you read the Bible passage, And that Bible passage is in a historical context, okay? But as you read the Bible passage, all all of a sudden it it dawns on you, man, this is historic here. But the way this is described here, this this goes beyond history,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: beyond immediate history. Let me give you two other um, uh, biblical instances in contrast, right? One is one is Jesus Christ, right? Uh, look at um, Isaiah chapter seven verse fourteen, when uh, the young lady will give birth. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, we we read the virgin. Okay, right. but historically that was a young lady, a, a young lady that was was a virgin, but she didn't conceive historically in that context as a virgin, right? Because then you have two Virgin Marys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in that historic context, when you read carefully and, 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 and see, okay, so this is a historical figure here. Somebody really was born from a young lady there. Mm-hmm. But then you go on and, and you read on and you reach chapter 9, verse 6. And the description of Jesus Christ there, the son that is born. Okay? Uh, everlasting Father. Okay, so, so this is not... This is, yeah, this is more than just a human being. It's typology. Mm-hmm. Because you see that, that the immediate context is too small to fit in that uh, reality. Okay? And obviously, then, if you go to the New Testament, you will see that Jesus Christ fulfills that typology it becomes a prophecy, right? And and uh, Jesus really was born of a virgin. And in the Greek language of the New Testament, the word is indeed virgin, not a young lady. Okay. Let okay. me give another illustration. Look at um, Isaiah chapter uh, 14, right? When, when you, you see the description of Lucifer mm-hmm. or... Ezekiel chapter uh, 28 if I'm not wrong. Okay. You you see the king of, of Babylon being described in chapter 14. But when you look you just realize man this is this is more than, than the king of Babylon. And you you see in that description somebody a a uh, character that is is bigger than just the king of Babylon that that is Larger than the frame, and it has to go beyond that frame. Okay, and that's called in theology. It's called Steigerung. It, it is a, a German word taken right. over, which which means uh, something starts small but then it, it goes up. <laughs> right. So that's that's something similar here in uh, chapter three, verse fifteen. You look at the immediate context. Right. yeah there's there's enmity there and when when uh, eve had another child seth right in the next chapter you immediately see that uh, that she's happy because she feels like like that uh, prophecy will be fulfilled in that child does that child complete the prophecy fulfill the prophecy yes does it does he complete it no there's somebody bigger That will complete that in the future.
0: Right. Okay. Thank you for that explanation, Pastor Joe.
1: Well, my pleasure.
0: (laughs) And we're coming down to a close, I think. Um, But let's talk a little bit about diet, okay? And uh, I I think you're a vegetarian. Are you not?
1: Yes, I'm a vegetarian. Uh, I uh, I eat mostly vegetables. (laughs) Uh, Yes, sometimes. Uh, he, uh, now and now and then, I uh, I would uh, uh, consume um, healthy food mm-hmm.
0: uh,
1: beyond just vegetarian food. Okay. Okay. But my my basic uh, mode of uh, life is uh, vegetarian. Yes. Okay.
0: Okay. I was vegan for a while myself. And um, then I went over to being pescatarian. Mm -hmm. And then unfortunately went on again to start eating meat. But I'm looking to go back.
1: So, evolving or devolving?
0: It sounds like I'm going the wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but the Bible tells us in Genesis 1 verse 29 that, see here I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth and every tree. And this is just one of the, text in the bible that speaks to god's provision for us and the fact that you know we're to eat herbs and you know seeds and all of that is this speaking to god's ideal diet i mean are we as 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 christians required or expected to follow a vegetarian or a a diet similar to what is being described here
1: yeah i i I like the way you use uh ideal diet as if god has given another diet too. Yeah. That's ideal. So, so, so this one or this one? No, it was just one. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would say that's that's just simply God's diet, right? You know? I mean, uh, the fact that we started eating uh, all kind of things, and and the fact that God made a concession
0: mm-hmm.
1: at one point, obviously after the flood, it was probably needed that people also consumed. Uh, Flesh,
0: yes. Clean was, flesh. Permission was given,
1: <laughs> and then and then later on, when uh, God gives specific uh, rules and regulations to the people of Israel, to His people, and uh, let me say this: we we don't want to be anything else but His people, right? Yes. So when God gives uh, specific rules and regulations to His people, you already have a historic setting there. When people eat all kind of stuff, edible and non-edible things. Yes. So it's, it's just normal that God steps in and tells them, hey, uh, please don't eat these, 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 and these. Okay? But that doesn't mean that that's God's diet. Yeah. Okay? That's a regla- uh, a, a, a rule or, or a regulation through which he steps in to limit the harm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But obviously, his diet is the one that he gave human beings at the beginning. Right. So if if we are heading toward Eden, then we have to uh, go from uh, um, eating everything to eating just what God allows Mm -hmm. for eating, and then to eat just what God... Recommends, or for eating, okay? Not the other way around. I, I didn't. Want, I didn't want to make this personal to you, but
0: uh, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I, 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 I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, yes,
0: it's important that we do what we uh, what the Lord
1: requires of us. Um, absolutely.
0: So um, yeah, uh, what do you have any final thoughts on these chapters, though? From
1: I, I believe I believe a a section that that would have uh, deserved a little more attention. I don't know how many minutes we we still have. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is that the section with uh, the fall and then God speaking uh, to um, the woman mm-hmm. and the speaking to the man? right okay cuz there's a lot of mythology happening there with regard to who's who's the stronger who's the who's got the muscles you know who's got the authority especially yeah. when it comes to family right and uh, some some would say see the reason uh, that uh, the, the the simple fact that god speaks to adam in chapter 2 and not to eve Mm-hmm. It means that he was uh, he was made prior the fall he was made stronger or um, more in authority than the woman so he was he was the the, the leader and uh, the woman was a uh, less some somehow lesser than than uh, the man uh, now obviously good uh, God spoke to. Adam in chapter two, because Eve wasn't created yet. Right. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's hard to speak to somebody that is not created That's yet. Fair. Yes. <laughs> but if we go with the assumption that uh, just because God speaks to Adam and then, then when, when the fall happens, right, God goes and speaks to Adam first. Okay. And uh, then uh, some people say, okay, so see, again, a proof that uh, uh, the responsibility was Adam's. But then then you can ask the question, when they are brought out of the Garden of Eden in chapter 4, why is it that God speaks to the woman first? Mm-hmm. So it means that before the fall or right there at the fall, it was Adam and then it was Eve. Wow. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, yes. Okay, so it's pretty 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 tough. Let me let me give you let me give you a sense of why I believe God started with Adam when when uh, he approached them after the fall. Because the I devil Jump
0: into that the Pastor. it also I I mean I we this is one of the questions I had but I didn't ask was do you think based on your explanation just now? In terms of God speaking with Adam first, Adam being in charge. Do you think that's why the serpent approached Eve instead of Adam?
1: Well, I believe uh, you can create a scenario in which the serpent could have uh, approached Adam, right? Just like he approached the the woman. Eve. Right. Okay. Uh, now, I don't want to to become very simplistic here. Mm-hmm. It may be. It may be that uh, uh, something in the psychological wiring of us men and women made the women more vulnerable to the attack of uh, the enemy. I don't want to speculate too much there, okay? Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't mean superiority or inferiority on any side. Okay. Okay. The reason I believe God approached Adam right after the fall is because God when, when somebody sins, okay, this is a process. Adam sinned, uh, Eve sinned, okay. When when you see somebody sinning, your responsibility is not to sin too. It's to but to have, it's to have that person get out of there. Right. Okay, so I think that's why, yes, Adam had a responsibility. Mm -hmm. Understand the the logic? Right. Because if I see, if if I'm a Christian and I see you sinning, Mm -hmm. then I will not go and sin with you. No. I will go and try to get you out of there. Right. Okay, and Adam did not do that. So God, God takes Adam first when when somebody sins and uh, uh, somebody else uh, endorses it we usually go and hit hard the one that sinned first mm-hmm. isn't that right yes yeah. that's not what god does God puts more responsibility in the account of the one that that um, joined later on right. Okay? because you should have helped Eve get out of that mm-hmm. and, and and that that also um, ties into one of the very beautiful uh, verses here uh, you know you know the Bible verse when uh, God allegedly submits Eve to uh, Adam's authority right when when uh, uh, I'm trying to spot the verse and uh, God tells Adam that uh, he will now rule over Eve, it's verse 16. Uh, To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband Mm -hmm. and he shall rule over you. And all abusers will use this passage to beat up their wives.
0: <laughs> no, that's not what it's meant. When the past is oh. totally
1: different. Right. This is what the, the sense of the passage is. Yes, this will happen to you, to, to the woman, because of the sin you committed. But but now Adam, Adam will be here to provide for you. Because Mashal there is not a ruler in the sense of, I'm going to put you down right it's it's a, a marshal in the sense of i'm going to provide for you okay so so god uh rehabilitates so to speak adam to to help now eve in in this distress so practically makes adam a part of of uh, eve's um turmoil or or toil or or problem that she's going through
0: yeah. and if we read further in the bible it speaks to husbands love your wife absolutely. absolutely so therefore certainly God would not be saying here that you know you should have that that is the relationship that that is the expectation that yes you are in charge but not in that manner
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. right Absolutely. absolutely.
0: Okay, well, thank you for bringing that out, Pastor. That was certainly an important part of, of this week's study. Yes.
1: But we could speak for another hour uh, or two or three or four. <laughs> we don't
0: have this, this is a
1: very rich segment. It very is, rich.
0: it is. And there's so much more that we could say on these verses. But yes, yeah. we, we, we invite everyone to keep joining us on a weekly basis. Next week, we're actually studying Genesis 9 through to 31. Yeah, so we are going to
1: touch on uh, on uh, the um, flood account, right?
0: Yes, yes. Okay, good. We're going to be touching on that, and um, so you know we'll be studying further. So again, we want to invite all our, our viewers and our listeners to join us um, to text their questions into nine five four three eight 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 seven eight zero, and um, next week Pastor Jen. And uh, Principal Stevenson will be um, in charge, and so we pray that we, um, as we continue with this program, that souls will be blessed and and, and that souls will be won for Christ. Um, did you have any final words? Did you want to say to us as we look at you know just the program in general, what we're doing and what is coming up? Um, you know, in the, in the in in as we continue to study together um, throughout the remaining portion of
1: the year. Yes, I'm just thrilled to uh, be part of this. Um... And I'm, I'm glad that uh, the the digital evangelism department of our church uh, pulled this together. And uh, yes, I, I can't wait to uh, to see what's going to happen. I know it's it's a challenging uh, experience, you know, to to try to cover so many chapters in in 45 minutes or, or yes. an hour. Yes. Uh, but I believe we we really have to stay with the highlights. Yes. Right? and and deal with the difficult passages.
0: And I'm I'm, I'm hoping that as more people um, come on, and they're listening, and they're studying with us, that we will get the questions. And I'm praying that we will be able to address as many as possible. (laughs) Okay. All right. So thanks, Pastor Joe, for taking the time to be with us this morning. I really do appreciate that. And um, again, next week, we'll be um, Pastor Jen, and um, the host will also be Principal Stevenson. And uh, so as we close out this morning, we relax Pastor, that you just pray for us and pray that this program will be a success and um, that others will join in as we go
1: along. Absolutely. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this uh, first halt, uh, first experience of uh, going deeper in the biblical uh, account, and I pray that you will continue to bless this project, those that are going to watch it, those that uh, will have questions, and in a special way, those that uh, are preparing the weekly um, program that will be aired. So, Lord, may your grace and may your wisdom be with us in Jesus' name, through the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor.
1: God bless. Thank you so much.
0: Yes, thank you.